Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I sit down with Mike DeZormo, and Mike's definitely one of those guys that changed the direction of our lives. He walked in here early. It was just myself and Nick starting this thing. We had a part-time assistant, and then Leslie Kitchen, some of you may know Leslie Kitchen on our team. She's been with us forever, an amazing woman, and uh, that was the whole team at that point when Mike showed up, and Mike literally came in the doors and said, hey, I want to start working with you guys. I walked into uh, our little, tiny little office where Nick was sitting in, and uh, I said, Nick, there's this guy outside. He wants to start working with us. And he said, well, we need the help. And is he a good guy? And I'm like, yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> I, I, I only knew him a little bit at that point. Um, Mike had, uh, Mike and I had crossed paths through, through Ruben Furtado. Mike and Ruben grew up together. And uh, we had crossed paths during a flip that Ruben and I were doing together. Mike offered to cut the grass just so that he can learn about what we were doing. That was years before he had walked into our office. And now years had passed. And that was really my only exposure to him. And then he walked in saying this, and I, and I explained to Nick, I said, yeah, he's a good guy because he cut the grass on one of our flips and he asked for no money. And the reason he cut the grass is he just wanted to hang around the property so he could learn how to do these things. And anyone who's willing to learn for no money in exchange for that is a winner in my book. So uh, Nick, when he heard that story, he was sold and uh, Mike came on the team and it's been amazing ever since. So Mike's been with us, I guess now for, it's gotta be around 12 years. He's worked on literally hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of investment real estate with thousands of investors. And now he wrote a book about his life story is the at the very beginning and wait till you hear his life story. You know, the, the, the intro and kind of chapter one as he gets into the book is really just about where he comes from and his background. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty humbling and interesting to read how he, the things that he has gone through. I'm stumbling over my words because there's so much to share there, but I'll let you pick up the book. It's called Wealth Won't Wait, How to Create Income Certainty in Uncertain Times. It's available on Amazon. And the rest of the book is all about different real estate investment strategies from the financing to doing flips to duplexes to renovations to student rentals to rent to own to long-term rentals to the mentality you need to succeed. It's an amazing book. I, I really mean this. It is a fantastic book. So it's called Wealth Won't Wait. And on this episode of the podcast, we sit down with sit down with Mike and hash through this. So uh, really excited to share this episode with you. He is just one of the best human beings you'll ever come across. And before we get started, if you are listening to this and you want to work with us here at Rockstar and you want to dive into the real estate investing world here in the greater Toronto and Golden Horseshoe area, you can go to the introductory training class that we have set up for all brand new investors who want to begin working with us at this URL. If you go to rockstarinnercircle.com, there's a couple of red buttons on there. It says investor training. You can sign up for a free 90-minute training class where we sit down and share all the different properties and different strategies that we're working on right now in real time in the year 2020, soon to be 2021, I guess. Um, so you see real life stuff. And we do that about once a month. So you can register for those. They're virtual right now. They used to be in person, of course, but now they're virtual. And you can register for that class at www.rockstarinnercircle.com. And if you find the red button on the homepage there, you can sign up and, and save a spot for the next time we do that class. That's it for the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. And we are live with Michael DeZormo. What's your middle name? William. I knew it was William. Michael William DeZormo and Nicholas Alexander Carazza. And I'm Tomislav Mio Karaja. <laughs> anyway, you're Karadza, I'm Karadza. It's funny, yeah, because you say it differently <laughs> yeah, with your name. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, and yeah, we we're just talking about Merino wool. Like Nick was just sitting here saying he's cold, and I said, "Well, I don't know. I, I got introduced to something called Merino wool." No, no, that's not what you said at all. Said, you said that you're like, "Oh no, I have a wool sweater on." And no, and, I did not Mike say said, that. Yeah, no, I did not Mike, say Mike, no. Hold on. In that tone, <laughs> I did not say in that tone. No, I have a wool. And then sweater Mike on. said, "Well, I don't wear wool because it makes me itchy." And then you you said, "Oh well, I've been in, introduced to this product product called Merino wool," and I was like, "What do you mean? Like it's this newfound <laughs> I don't thing?" I know what Merino, Merino wool, wool is. I just know that when I put a 
merino wool sweater on, Look, I don't when get you were, itchy. When you were working at Eden's and menswear flipping 20 years ago, they, you were selling merino wool sweaters. You didn't I'll know never, it at the time, but they were there because I know because I had some. I'll never forget uh, working at Eaton's when one guy would, one of the main guys, full-timer guy working in the suits department would yell over to me in the jeans area of the menswear area saying, Tom, can you get me the Italian sweaters? <laughs> I remember always telling him, I'm like, hey man, I think it's Italian. Like, I don't think it's Italian. And then I would bring it, and then so he would have that issue, and then I would be colorblind. So if he said, bring the burgundy sweater, I would walk over with like a brown or a red sweater, and he would look at me like I'm crazy. So between the two of us, neither of us have been working in menswear. Anyway. Um, but that's good. I'm glad you've discovered merino wool. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a slow learner, man. I didn't know merino wool was not itchy on my skin, so I just discovered it recently. It's fantastic. Everybody should have some merino wool. Um, listen, we're here to talk about Mike's new book. So Mike has this book that I think you've jammed so much information into this thing, dude. Wealth won't wait. How to create income certainty in uncertain times. You like there is literally a lifetime of knowledge in this thing. And I'm going to pick your brains on this. But before we get started, the other day you came into the office here with this Bitcoin card called Real Bitcoin. It's a, a product from Ballet. And you've been sending Bitcoin to people. How is that like when you when you tell people you're about to send them Bitcoin, are you having to teach them how to accept the Bitcoin? This card, just so I mean, because if someone's not watching, just so you know, it's like a gold plated kind of credit card, it looks like. And when you gave, when, when, because you came in, and I dropped it on the desk. I'm like, this is cool. Could you imagine paying with this? And I dropped it on the desk. It almost broke the damn desk. I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that <laughs> Tom, again. Yeah, Tom said right away, do not drop that on my desk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're not giving the heads up on it. I'm walking, I'm, I'm meeting them, and then I'm handing them the card and letting them know that, uh, hey, don't lose this. You might want to see what's on it first. Yeah, because in this particular card, it's like cat. Like this card has the private key right on the freaking thing. So if somebody finds it, you found Bitcoin. Yeah, it's not like a hardware wallet where you have some security no. on the wallet. This thing, you lose it, your Bitcoin is gone. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, you're essentially losing a wallet that had cash in it. Yeah, yeah, but it's super cool. You're handing yeah. these out to people. A couple of people, yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Mike's a nice person. No, I know that. Yeah. Who are you handing these out to? Yeah, that, I didn't see. I didn't <laughs> ask for this privacy. Yeah, let him. Let oh him yeah. Be. In general, though, like family, uh, friends. Uh, yeah, people on the street. <laughs> uh, I don't think he wants to share. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Okay, so on the book, on the intro. I can get a hundred people asking me for these cards now. So <laughs> oh, sorry, I want to be man. careful what I say. Oh, edit, edit, mark down the time. That's edit. why you're being quiet. He's just not answering at all. This is amazing. Okay, listen. In the book, during the intro of this book, which I, I'm, you know, we've talked about. You have so much experience, and you're so modest with your real estate experience. We've wanted you to put this together for a long time, and you've done it, which is amazing. And I wrote some uh, fancy dancy notes, which I don't usually do here, but. Uh, your Canada Packer days. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? So where, what area of Toronto did you grow up in? Yep. And why did you specifically mention Canada Packers? Yeah, Runnymede and St. Clair, which was a very different time back when uh, we were there as a family. Um, literally 10, 10 houses down the street was Canada Packers. So when we were kids, so I probably would have been around uh, 10 or 11 when we first moved there. Um, if a bull, a cow, or something got out of the Packers there and ran down the street or into the playground across the street, the police would come, and if they couldn't corral that animal back to uh, the pen, it would get shot right in front of us, right in the head, in the playground. They'd later come and pick it up. That would not happen nowadays. That clearly. would not happen in 2020. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, kids, they would just be told that kids couldn't handle that. Meanwhile, kids back then were just watching animals be yeah. shot right in front of them at the playground. I remember one day uh, over by the, there's a waiting pool. So George Bell Arena is still there. That area is completely changed. But over there, there was a waiting pool and there was those big steel uh, meshed metal garbage cans, those public garbage cans. Yeah. So I reached in one day because I saw a bullhorn. So a horn from a bull. And I'm like, I know. I think I know what you're about to say. <laughs> like, this will be pretty cool to take home. I picked it up. So it was upside down. So I picked it up. So now it's like an ice cream cone. And out of that bull horn was maggots just falling all over my arm and hand. <laughs> my first experience with maggots. So needless to say, I threw it back in. <laughs> I Ran. thought you were going to say you pulled out the horn and I it was the, the head. head. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Yeah. yeah. There was the gotcha. whole head in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As kids, we'd go down exploring the Packers. And yeah, there, unfortunately, yeah, there, there was live ones there. And also any, any ones that escaped or just often just shot and killed like great. So this would be in the 70s. This would be late 70s, early 80s. So yes. I don't know if it was the yeah. same place or same location, but our father worked in Canada Packers mm -hmm. briefly when he came to Canada. And his job was scooping up skins that were, I guess, taken off the animals that mm -hmm. were left on the floor. And with like a pitchfork or some kind of device, he would pick them up and put them into some kind of big barrel or something, wherever they would take them. I don't know what they would do with them. But that's what he did all day. He would like 
scoop up skins from like skinned animals and dump them into kind of some kind of big bucket. Right. Just right. hours every day. Yeah. Like that's what he did. Jeez. And he, I remember him saying that there was an older gentleman that had just came a new immigrant to the country and his, he had a bad back and he couldn't do the work. So he was beginning to, you know, get a little emotional that he would lose the job and he wouldn't have money. He already had kids and a family here. And uh, our father was like helping him do his amount of work mm. and his own work. Right. Just trying, you know, days of survival. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So whenever I hear Canada Packers, I always flash back to right. that kind of story. But when you were growing up there, that was a rough neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Lots so, of things went down in that neighborhood. Yeah. So tell us yeah. about crack cocaine then. Yeah. No. Just <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, early 80s was the, the crack pandemic and... Uh, my experience with that was I, I think what has always turned me off from drugs is I knew somebody who had an addiction and uh, she took a Coke can. She uh, devised it in such a way that uh, she heated up the crack on top of the Coke can and then inhaled um, through where you would usually drink. She was inhaling the smoke or whatever, you know, however you do crack. And she, she had still the mental capacity to look over at me and say, don't you ever try this. And just somebody who's succumbing to an addiction, but ha still had the mental capacity to look at me as a kid and say, don't you ever do this? That just scared the heck out of me. So since then, or yeah, I just was never turned on to any sort of uh, drug that, that scared the heck out of me. Um, and then, yeah, I saw you know a lot of, of people succumb to different things. I had a friend whose uh, uh, neck was slit uh, nearby in a laneway. I, had, I saw plenty of gang fights in the area. I, I remember... One was at a bingo hall that would also be uh, rented out for different dances and whatnot. And I remember somebody getting killed at that bingo hall. And I was just a kid. I'd go over to the convenience store to play arcade games. Remember the 25 cent arcade oh, games? Oh, yeah. 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 So I'd go to this uh, convenience store. And at that time, it was, uh, so it was th that night there was a party. The morning, the police tape and whatnot was all up. But still, I could see the bloody handprint down the wall where that person no. had succumbed. Yeah. And it, just stuff like that just stuck in the head. What about the drive-by yeah. shooting? Drive, holy geez, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah the first so, 10, I've read the, like, whatever, <laughs> this was all in the first 10 pages of this book. Yeah, and I was yeah. Like, I yeah you're reading Mike's book about yeah, real yeah, estate. Yeah. You're like, this isn't about a book about real estate. This is a book about the yeah. craziest upbringing I've ever read yeah, in my life. Yeah, so same street. It was after midnight. Um, we had a two-story home. My bedroom faced the street. Um, we didn't have air conditioning, and I, you could hear cars come up and down the street because it, it wasn't a, a, a very busy street. And um, I heard a car engine uh, uh, coming, but then stop. So then I, I just wasn't asleep at the time. I looked out my bedroom window, and then I, I saw the driver take his right hand over his left wrist, and in, in his hand was, a, was a, a gun, and then he just started shooting. And it was shot after shot, driving down the road past our house. He wasn't targeting anybody. He was shooting into cars, into homes. And at that time, I, I just, it didn't, Clued, like I, I, I should have ducked, right? But I guess because you should have taken he cover, went, yeah, big time. But because Why, he wasn't you, aiming up, no, he's just like he, it was like, like, like leveled shots, like into cars and and, and like you were houses. on the second. I was story. on the second story, okay. yeah, looking down at him. So the gun was never pointed up. I'm sure if it pointed up, I would have ducked down. But yeah, they just took off, and then yeah, in the morning, you know, I went. You know what the crazy thing is? I went back to sleep after that. Did you have a bullet in your house? Did one hit your house? No, no, in the cars. So my neighbor, a couple of neighbors had some bullet holes in their cars and uh, some of the houses got hit, but I don't know what, what happened. Why did you say that's the crazy thing that you went back to sleep? It was well, I think, yeah, yeah, probably back then, yeah. But to me, yeah, I just went back to sleep and uh, in, the, in the morning, police were on the street and investigating, but uh, yeah. What did your man, uh, mom and dad like kind of teach you during that time? Like, uh, you know, what, what were you picking up from your mom and dad during that era? Because they're working, they're both working. Yeah, just I think it was more from uh, I wasn't really getting life lessons other than seeing the life lessons like work hard, don't complain. Um, that was it. Like, what about what do you mean? How did they teach you not to complain? They just told you, to yeah, shut pretty up. Much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Because you never complain. Going. And the reason mm -hmm. I say that is for those of those people who don't know you, you just never complain. Mm -hmm. You never complain about yeah. anything. You're, whenever a problem hits Mike DeZormo, you're always thinking about the three steps ahead and the solution that you're going to take to it. And you don't even tell people you're doing that because when Nick and I look over to you, you can just see your eyes moving and that you're thinking you're already on to solving the problem. Yeah. So well, I, I owe that to my parents because I didn't see them complain. Hmm. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, 
And then what, what, what about when I say be kind, work hard, don't complain, be the best. Mm-hmm. Did, what did they teach you to talk about being the best? Yeah, they would definitely, uh, they, they, they instilled that in me pretty well. And that was, um, so I used to play football and, uh, originally it was, Hey, if, if you can get a touchdown, this is what my parents would say to me, if you can get a touchdown, I think it started off with shoes. We'll buy you new shoes. And then it moved up to a track suit and then it moved Pure to, bribery. I was getting I touchdowns. It. So it's like, okay, now you got to get three touchdowns. <laughs> they eventually cut me off. Cause what, because you're you a cut, wide receiver at that point. You're no, a, I was actually quarterback. You were the quarterback. Yeah. yeah so it. instead of passing the ball, I just run just with run it. it. <laughs> Screw it, man. I'm yeah, getting my track suit, exactly. man. Forget you guys. Newest ones out at the store. Yeah, got it. That's carried through, man. Holy, <laughs> your competitive side's <laughs> funny because it's quiet competitiveness. Because when you first meet you, you wouldn't like a lot of people are like, "Oh, Mike's competitive." I'm like, "Are you?" Yeah, Mike's kidding? the nicest yeah. guy ever. He's not one yeah. of those competitive guys. We're like, "No, I don't know about that." Mike is very kind and very nice, but he's very competitive as well. And and what about be kind? They taught mm-hmm. you to be kind. For sure, they were always kind. To how how did they teach you that? Again, through their actions, they were always kind people. Not having much, like my my parents Nick, were both. We might pick up that on the video, just so you know. Yeah, my parents were both factory workers growing up, um, and they were just not having much. They would still give whatever they could to people, whether it was it didn't have to be something monetary. It could be even of their own time. So they're very very. Both helpful. of them were that way. Both both absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah, to this day. And then um, from there, from Canada Packers, you lived there until you moved to Oakville. Were you always in that area of Toronto? No, because no. then you were working security, right, for yeah, a little yeah. while. No, no. And then your journey kind of took you around to Oakville. Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, my parents got involved with a business after saving up every penny they had. They bought into a franchise. That franchise didn't do well. We lost that house. And then pretty well for the next five years, we were bouncing around from house to house and sometimes not even having a house. When you were bouncing around from house to house, and, and sometimes th- th- that's pretty big words, dude, not even having a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- yeah, I, yeah, that's that's a lot. Um, no, what, go ahead. What did you think about life at that point? Yeah. That was just normal, not having, you know, bouncing around from house to house and not having, like, what were you thinking about people in life? Mm-hmm. Because I think Nick and I are very fortunate in that I don't think we grew up like, you know, we grew up middle class. We had yeah. a house all the time. Right, there was right. definitely pro- problems in our family, financially, yeah. and different things happening. But, you know, we had a roof. Um, what, what are you thinking about life when you're going through that? I, see, I didn't know any better. It's just normal. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it was a struggle and you thought that, yeah, just this is something you go through. So then when you met people, when you were working, let's say, at Woodbine Security, was Woodbine mm-hmm. Security, right? That was one of the places, yeah. Okay. When you were working there, when you bumped into somebody at the mall there who you clearly had decided had money, yeah. what did you think about that person? That's when the real estate bug came. Why? Uh, because it was actually... Uh, Lawrence Square Mall, and it was one of the wealthiest families at the time in Canada that owned that mall, plus a lot of other real Who estate. Who was that, like the Reitman family uh, or something? That was the Burnetts. Okay. Yeah. So um, their son, Josh, who was, uh, I think, 16, 17 at the time for his birthday, got a brand new Porsche. He brought that Porsche by the mall because we had a friendship. And he said, Mike, hey, do you want to drive my new Porsche? <laughs> where were you living? Just at the, got where, it. So where, he has a new Porsche. Where are you living at this time? I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll get to okay, that. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, Josh, I don't know how to drive stick. And he's like, uh, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, I'm like, oh, oh, this is like next level. Um, at that time, that was a time where I'm doing security at that mall. Uh, we, I didn't have a place to live. So I got caught sleeping in that mall by the mall manager. The mall manager called the owners of that mall and said, Hey, I'm aware that you guys have a house. It was on the Southeast corner of Jane and Rutherford. So across from Wonderland and I'm aware you guys have a house and it's an abandoned and you need somebody to look after that house. Well, I need a guy that needs a house. So, uh, how about this guy goes there, which is me. So I went there, I stayed there for eight years, but, uh, the house you were in there eight years, eight years. Dude, yeah. The, you, I've told you this before. The crazy part is I know that house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Cause when we used to go to Canada's wonderland, right. I would go by that intersection. And yeah. when the leaves were down, I guess later in the season, yeah. and I guess wonderland would be closed, but mm-hmm. whenever we're in that area, yeah. you could see the house through those trees, Correct. right? Yes. And had a long yeah. driveway yes. Yes. that went into like a, what I would call a forest. Correct. And yes. the house was like in that forest at yeah. a pretty major intersection. Yes. Cause yeah. that was, like you said, major, Major, major no. Southeast corner of Jane and Rutherford. Jane, Jane and yeah. Rutherford, yeah. Right yeah. across the street from Vaughn, Vaughn Mills. Yeah, but yeah. Vaughn Mills wasn't there. Correct. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I saw it going up, actually. Yeah. yeah, Vaughn Mills wasn't there. There were some hotels that are now built across the street. Oh, they weren't there. So, um, but that house, it was rough. So when it rained, it rained inside the house. Like everything got wet. And I moved into that house. I had a mattress, 
That's it, actually. Yeah, I didn't even have a TV at that time. Yeah, I, didn't. I like how you started. Yeah. There was going to be a list. Here's the things I brought into the house. I yeah. brought in a mattress and th- you that's know it, the clothes on my yeah. back. And textbooks. And I set the, te- the mattress on textbooks because there was so much mice in the house because of the field. So to keep the mice off the bed, I had the, the bed on these textbooks. So you didn't have a place to live, but you were in, this was after you went to school? This, no, this was during school. So, so then was, how were you paying? Who was paying? Was it OSA? Like OSA. OSA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you were going to York University Correct. at that point? Yeah. Yeah. For kinesiology, f- health science. Were yeah. you still playing football at that time? I was not. No. Okay. So no. football days are done, but you're Way at done. university. Yeah. Correct. Sleeping on textbooks on a mattress above yeah. the mice. Dude, it's <laughs> a crazy story, man. That's, and, yeah. and when you were sleeping in the mall, because Woodbine Center mm-hmm. had that, uh, that. No, no. This was Lawrence Square. Oh, not, not you know why? Because I, in my mind, when, yeah. when I've heard that before. Fantasy Fair? Yeah, I'm like, did he get to sleep? Not that this on is a, a miracle round. Yeah, like, I'm not, not that this no, is like a positive. That's the like ball. the Four Seasons. Okay, yeah, because yeah, you know what I was thinking? Do you remember the tube slide rides? Yes, yes. I was like, could you go halfway down the, one of those slides? Yeah. And like, you know, it would go a little bit flat. And can you yeah. sleep in one of those tube slides? Like, I know that's yeah. ridiculous. And you obviously don't want to sleep there. Yeah, but when you have no place else to sleep, but it, when you have it becomes sleep, less ridiculous. Because I, I thought maybe you were hiding. Yeah. So when you slept in the mall, then where did you sleep? On a bench in the back storage areas of the mall? No, in the... Mall manager's uh, office. He had a couch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. So he had left for the day. Correct. Yeah. 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 He was a good guy though. Like I, all through my life, like wherever I was working, I would take like Christmas shifts, New Year's shifts, whatever, because you get that double time. Yeah. And uh, he, that gentleman there, I owe a lot to because he would actually come visit me. They like leave his family, take the time out to leave his family and he'd bring me like Christmas dinner on Christmas. No Because there's still security in these malls on those days, right? Like 24 hours a day. So yeah, good, good guy. So he made that call and response was responsible for me to be able to go to that house. Um, and then, so the real estate bug came from that family because their mom sold produce out of the back of a truck. And then that led to them owning the majority of the food that would be shipped out of Western food terminal that then supported her children, three boys all going to law school that then got into real estate. And then, yeah, they, they own a, a bunch of real estate across the Ontario. And then when did you meet Nadim Ahmed? Because Nadim on the yeah. team here at Rockstar, you met at one of those malls. No? Woodbine, yeah, when I was doing security there. That was later? That was prior. Oh, so yeah. prior. And yeah. you saw Nadim selling his socks out of the front of that <laughs> menswear store or whatever? Because then he tells us a story that they sell enough socks out of the front of the store to pay for rent. Like that was their almost yeah. enough volume in just socks to cover like their operational costs. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, not that you would know that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, okay, cool. But that's where you met Nadim. Correct, yeah. And then what about Halloween? Just uh, to go back just a little bit. Mm-hmm. When you were trick-or-treating, you said yeah. you took the subway for tr- for Halloween. Yeah, yeah. So we'd get... A, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So uh, a friend of mine suggested, hey, you know what? Like, our neighborhood's not so great for candy. Why you don't get we the take the subway candy yeah, in and go to... You I got those little things. You know those uh, those rockets? <laughs> I always thought those were the crap candies. You know, just the rocket, the yeah. like sugar candy yeah, rolled right. up? Yeah, yeah. So, hey, why don't we take this subway and then the bus and then we're going to land in... I think it was Bridal Path or Roy York. Oh, I can't geez. remember at the time. Yeah. <laughs> But wherever we landed, the, the Halloween candy was much bigger. You were getting full of Henry bars. <laughs> yeah, it was worth the trip. Yeah, got it. And so then when you're going there, does that clue into you that there's different types of um, people with different amounts of money in this For world? For sure, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Okay. But you're content. You just go home. It is what it is. You're happy where you are. Yeah, and then I think that's what plants the seed. Like, hey, I would like to get there one day. Yeah, got it. Okay. And then you move to Oak. No, then, then Ruben drags you out to Oakville. Correct, yeah. And you start flipping properties. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And that yeah. was new. Construction. How'd you go from buy? How'd you go from living in the abandoned house though to yeah. to then like what was next? You bought your own place after that. Yeah, I saved every cent I had, and uh, um, basically put it down on a pre-construction in Oakville. What that was a pre-construction yeah. detail. Uh, uh, I always detached? bought beyond my means. So Fully detached. A, I remember yeah, that. That yeah, was yeah, the, that yeah, was remember, that first yeah. one. So it was That's it right. was that corner lot. That was, no, the first that, one was the yeah. oh, that was the second one. Yeah, that was the second one. Okay, so I don't know the first one. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, so it was a four bedroom, uh, t- uh, two full bath, uh, detached home. Bought that. You went from a homeless guy. I mean, yeah. like you weren't homeless; you were living in that place. But yeah. well, essentially, you went from homeless to living in this abandoned house with no. But that that it rained yeah. in the house when yeah. it rained outside. Yeah. To buying a brand new four bedroom home. Right. Yeah. 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 But and the, I put everything on. You the busted line on your that. ass for it too. Yeah. 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 Well, I was all in, and then to that house, I brought the same bed, but this time I had a TV to, 
to accompany me. Did you bring the mic? <laughs> it was Did you bring the, the, the mic with you? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh my God. One time I, I was going to class and I was late at York and uh, I jump in the car and I guess a mouse was in my uh, gym bag. <laughs> And then the mouse starts running around the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude. How did you not smash yeah, your car? Yeah, yeah. Oh that would have freaked goodness. me out. Yeah, yeah. I would rather fight a bear. I don't know. Listen, I know I don't stand a chance of getting a bear, but at least I can see the bear. Like yeah. I know what I'm dealing with. Yeah. When the mice is like under the seat and running yeah. around. There were some good battles in that house. Um, so then, yeah, put everything I had on that, on that house in Oakville, uh, moved in with the TV and, uh, and uh, bed. And then, yeah, I had some good, just some good friends. Uh, Ruben lent me and his wife, um, who at the time, too, were, were just coming up. They lent me a bed frame and curtains. I took the bed frame because it was rusty to the backyard, spray painted that. Another friend lent me a dining room set. And then I, I went to, there was no uh, home sense at the time. It was Winners. I'd go to Winners. I'd buy picture frames. I'd go to the public library because, remember, I'm all in. I have very little money left over. And I'd uh, find black and white photography books. I'd photocopy those pictures. I'd slip those into the picture. And frames. I remember seeing that nice. as your second flip. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. seeing that. Yeah, they were yeah. really nice. Yeah, yeah. I'd stage the home. That's how I'd stage it and then uh, sell it. And yeah. What were you eating at that time? Yeah, whatever not the was greatest. McDonald's, food. like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what he's eating today. He's still too. So. No, no, I, I'm just saying. Because at, at that point, I met Ruben, and he every day he knew what was on sale at McDonald's. You remember yeah, McDonald's oh, had like yeah. the McDeal of the day or something? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, really, Ruben? Like, want to grab lunch? He's like, oh yeah, it's the fish McChicken uh, today yeah. for you know 99 cents. And like yeah. every day, there he is, right behind us. Right, he just walked by. Um, yeah, yeah, we're talking about you behind your back, <laughs> right in front of you. Um, it was a lot of craft dinner for sure. Yeah, yeah, got yeah. it. Yeah. But that's crazy, man, to go in. And then you sold that house. So you mm. sold that house. Did you make a profit from that house? Yeah, a little over 115,000. Oh, and then dude, I you think... went from that exactly. to making a... Were yeah. you just in shock? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and then didn't look back. Yeah, because then you went yeah. to the second one. Yeah. You moved into that one. Yeah. That's where Stayed we crossed paths. Was it on the that's second right. one that second we kind of crossed paths? Correct. So that yeah. was on that house. And yeah. then I think, I can't remember after that what you did. But then yep. I feel like we crossed paths roughly around that time when Ruben and I were flipping a property around that time. Mm -hmm. And you were just offering to cut the grass to learn how to flip properties. Yeah. So yeah. it was bef right before that, I guess. Mm -hmm. that, does that sound right? Yeah, before yeah. you were doing it? You right. Were still, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So it was, it was at that time, like I didn't know wealthy people growing up. Like I've seen wealth. And then when I would find out like, okay, like how do these people have this wealth? It was um, more often than not from, they had real estate. So whether it was... Uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the Burnett's that owned uh, a, a ton of real estate um, or uh, an auto mechanic that leased out a shop that then bought the shop that then bought the commercial plaza. Like it was just and, and the common denominator was it, it was real estate and it didn't matter. Like these these were all working like different classes of people. Like it wasn't just to the, uh, the you, you don't have to go to university for this. It doesn't matter what color you are, what age you are. Like it's. Yeah, it was a couple right moves and a little bit of hustle. Yeah, for right? sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's kind of with the people you I'm just reflecting back on some of the rockstar members you've worked with, because when you said that you've worked with all types, you've worked with the Arvind Khanna's of the world who's mm -hmm. been on the podcast yeah. and he basically, he's a at, hustler too. He's a yeah, hustler. Yeah, he worked yeah. at Tim Hortons, slept came in here like, as a refugee, yeah. came here yeah. as a refugee. I remember slept. he shared, he slept, he, he not slept. He, he uh, lived off of like a few hundred dollars a month. Like yeah. we were like, what do you mean? How can you even live off that little amount? Right? Like, so, yeah. So I cut you off. No, no, that's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, in my mind, it was like $50 or a couple of hundred, whatever he was saying. Yeah, I didn't know what the number was. I forget. I just know it was a very small amount. I'm like, how does that even work? But now he's got multiple properties mm -hmm. and he's doing really, really well for himself. But you've also worked with people like Steve. And Steve was a president or CEO of a company here in Canada, right. left that position and then picked up a lot of his own assets. And really, I would probably argue that a lot of his wealth creation came from owning assets when he met you and you helped him buy a bunch of properties. I, so you've you met agree, two yeah. different types of people, a refugee that's come to Canada. <laughs> yeah. No, really. Yeah, and helped, and yeah. helped them buy properties. Yeah, yeah. Who started with like, no, nothing. like nothing. And to yeah. Arvin's credit, it wasn't all Mike DeZormo who did that. It was no. Arvin's oh, of course, hustle. Yeah. But you, you, you helped him steer around and get some good properties. And yeah. then you've helped the Steves of the world, ex-president CEO role, mm -hmm. who's looking to create an income base and you've helped him get into that kind of stuff as well. Right. Which is like just amazing to it see. It is, yeah. Yeah, when, when you see those two guys, is that the common denominator that what Nick just said, like your, the hustle that you see from them? For sure, for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. got it. Okay, and then this yeah. book that you've put together here, like dude, I don't know, you know how much content you've jammed into this, this sucker? 
like a, cr- a, yeah. a crap load. But go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. Early on, you talk about mindset. You need the right mindset. Mm-hmm. Why are you making a point to talk about that in a real estate book? I've 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 been doing this for a long time. So twenty years in total, and then what do we twelve years now at Rockstar? Yeah, I've helped yeah. many many people. And uh, we know exactly how we were just talking about it. You've done hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate. We won't say the exact number, but hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And you've worked with thousands of investors at this point. Right, right. Like it's ridiculous. And believe it or not, some of my closest friends, um, they know what I do. And it takes them. And it's, it's something that I'm not talking about. When we're at a barbecue or a family function, whatever, I'm not bringing real estate up. If somebody wants to ask me about it, I'd be more than happy to share. But it's not something that I'm bringing up. But it takes a while for people to, I find, closest to you to get onto this sometimes. So I think mine's... Except for the Bitcoin stuff, dude. You're sending people Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm forcing it on them. Yeah, yeah, got it. <laughs> They're not yeah, asking yeah. for it. I'll stop talking about it. Sorry, I know people are going to ask you about that. But yeah, back yeah. to the mindset. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, um, if yeah, if you're, basically, if you're, if you're not ready for it, it's it's not going to happen. It, regardless of what you see happening out there, you, you have to have the uh, right mindset for this. Um the reality is, is like, I think some people still think that they can work hard and, and, uh, well, maybe it's coming more obvious now. The middle class is becoming closer to being poor than they are to becoming wealthy. That's why I have wealth won't wait. Wealth to me is a, a moving target. It's not static. Something static is like, Hey, I want to lose five pounds or I want to gain 10 pounds. Um, or, um, you know, I want X salary this year. Like those are static numbers. Um, wealth is not static. It is moving beyond us faster than people can realize. I have a, a jar of coins in my house in this in this night nightstand, and uh, my my two boys, age uh, three and four, have seen this coin jar, and they've asked me, "Daddy, what are those?" And I'm like, "These are that's money, that's coins." So I'd give uh, you know each uh, a coin. They'd put it in their pocket, walk around the house, and then I'd tell them, "It's got to go in the piggy bank. Don't lose that. You cannot lose that." And um, so one time I found a coin in the rug. In, in one of their bedrooms. And I'm like, are these guys stealing the coins <laughs> from the coin jar? Are my kids stealing yeah, yeah. my money? I'm yeah. three years old. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, it probably fell out of their pocket. They forgot to put it in the piggy bank. Now, if it's your own family, like, and it's just some coins and it's a two and three year old, I think it's okay. The government, with debasing currency, the coins in that jar can buy me less every single day. It's right in front of our own eyes that they're stealing from us. You don't even bother counting. I used to care about counting the coins. Now, like the pennies, yeah. we don't even use them in circulation. Yeah. But and it's, invi- it's invisible. It's theft, invisible, right? That's because it, it's so slow. Yeah. Uh, it, it's slow, but it's compounding, so people don't get it. Yeah. But you, and you don't have someone reaching into your pocket and taking it because, like, look, if, if if they were doing it, so let's say the price of everything stayed the same, but they went into the, your bank account and they just said, okay, you have you know whatever ten thousand dollars. And then every year, December 31st, all of a sudden that 10,000 now becomes 90, whatever, 100. Yeah. Everyone's going to be like, whoa, 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 what, what are you talking about? You can't do that. Yeah. But instead, the price keeps going up or the, or the service or the size of whatever you're buying shrinks as well. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, Halloween just passed. If you look at the size of the Halloween candies now, they're like, what? there's not even a bite in, yeah. in the thing, you know? So, but yeah, that's, that's the difference, right? And, but you understand that most people aren't looking yeah. at things that way. Yeah, like what if our savings and it was relative to what we could buy? Right, we have a fifty thousand, and uh, just as Nick was alluding to, we have fifty thousand. I was saying ten, but you're okay. big time now. <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah, it's big time, Mike Desormo. Yeah. Fifty thousand. Uh, but you know, in each day, you saw that in regards to what it could buy you, it'd be depleting in your bank account. It wouldn't be staying static. Yeah, if there be, was a little picture beside it, saying, yeah. "Okay, here's your balance, fifty thousand bucks. Yeah. Here's the basket of goods you can buy now." And yeah. then, as it as it changes with inflation, that basket, that picture next to it keeps changing, and and the the basket of goods changes. Yeah. That'd be a good way to look yeah. at it too. <laughs> and that's the way yeah. in my mind how I look at it. I'm like, these guys on their website are telling me they're taking two percent of the money, and I know they're lying at the two percent. Mm-hmm. It's way more than two percent, and when you compound it, it's even more every year. Mm-hmm. So I always get pissed. I don't want to swear right now, but I'm like, these fucking, these, these assholes are stealing my money. Yeah. And I've seen my yeah. parents work hard, just to your point, how hard you've worked, how hard Nick and I work. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not going to let this happen. Yeah. And it just kind of bought, like it's just because it's silent theft. It is. It yeah. just bothers me. Yeah. So what did you, when you found that coin, did you put the coin in the jar? No, I back in my jar. Yeah, yeah they get no, okay, they got to work for that. I just want to be clear yeah. that they didn't get the coin. They're going to have to hey, work you're not for taking it. care of the coin. It's back <laughs> yeah. in my jar. Well, you know, my kids are the same way. If they don't ask me for their allowance, yeah. they don't get it. Oh wow! I'm like, no. I mean, the yeah. least you, if you're not at least remembering, 
and then you're like, hey, this is like, you know, there's a couple other things that they, they have to do. But I mean, if you're not remembering and saying, hey, this is like, I want this now that you don't get it. It doesn't mm. just magically appear for you. That, I mean, that's the least you can do. Yeah. Okay. So they've slowly remembered to be like, hey, yeah, um, hand, it, up, hand it over. Yeah. <laughs> what about this part you have in the book about take responsibility? Why did you make a point to talk about that in a real estate book? Um, just nobody's going to take care of your family and your finances better than we are ourselves. You, you can't rely on, you know, this is a unique time and we had Serb and whatnot, but you, you can't rely on anyone else to take care of you and your family other than yourself. Yeah. And you've, you've probably lived that, like you've, you've seen that mm-hmm. now, you know what I mean? Cause you've had to kind of go through those, those kind of different circumstances you went through and you realize like when, when push comes to shove, there might be people there to help you. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's, it's on your shoulders. Yeah. You gotta, you, you gotta step up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we get into some real estate talk, just with you and your life, you're you know married, two kids, you mm-hmm. have some of your own income properties with hindsight. Would you have changed anything in your life? You know, because you've been through a lot, yeah. like anyone who's yeah. bouncing around between homes and then homeless for a little while, that's yeah. a lot to go through. Or did that all just lead up to the Mike DeZormo yeah. that is here today? No, I appreciate everything that happened, good or bad, because, yeah, I believe that that's what enabled me to be able to 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 do what I've done. I don't think that hunger, I feel for a lot of people, like if you get the silver spoon, would you have the same hunger? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's probably some things you were, that happened during bartending episodes, late night bartending yeah, we episodes didn't talk that, about you probably, bartend- that you probably, yeah, probably we, we, want we, to change. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, we, I'm we just kind of making that up. But. His bartending days. But that's <laughs> yeah. interesting because your kids are going to grow up in a different environment than you grew up. Mm-hmm. So what are you thinking about that? Yeah. And I, it's, yeah, not only do I think about it, I worry about it. I, I yeah, I, I try to instill just, um, uh, yeah, like they, at ages three and four, yeah, they've started with, since they were three. No, no, no I, I, but I mean, like, I'm, I'm getting them to bring out, this, the, I'm getting them to do as much as I can. Rake leaves with me, bring out the recycling every, uh, and garbage every uh, Tuesday in our neighborhood. So I'm, I'm getting them to work. I hope that's helping. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they're just not going to be. Everything's not going to be given to them. But you can buy an abandoned house because now you're able to. You can buy your own abandoned house and make them live in that for a little while. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, no, like, um, you know, we brought them into this world. So as soon as Sarah was pregnant with Uriah, as soon as he was born, we bought him a house. And then again, when it happened with Nathan, we bought him a house. You know, I wanted, we brought them into the world. And uh, 25 years from now, um, those houses uh, should be, if not paid off, very close to be paid off. But it, it's going to help them because if we don't, like, what, what are these children coming down the pipeline going to have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, there. It's yeah, it's in the real estate world now. If we kind of transition to how you're working with investors, um, what are you seeing out there? So if we just kind of switch to current day mm-hmm. activity with investors, yeah. what are around the gold? Because over the years, you've you've bought properties with investors in Belleville, Clarington, Peterborough, Oshawa, Ajax, Whitby, Barrie, <laughs> Kitchener, Cambridge, Waterloo, London. Brantford, Hamilton, Grimsby. Um, the Grimsby one makes me laugh. Jason comes yeah. to mind for a second. Yeah. Grimsby, uh, St. Catharines, Niagara, Welland. Yeah, you're leaving out Burlington. Yeah. Burlington. Yeah. Yeah. Mississauga, yeah. Toronto. Yeah. You're leaving out the big ones. You've yeah. helped those people ones. buy property. Yeah. yeah, early on. Yeah, yeah. So like all Toro- and Toronto proper. Yeah. yeah, downtown Toronto. Sarnia. Yeah. So what, uh, and you've done income properties in all these areas with all the strategies. So if we were just to pick your brain, what you're seeing now, could you name off some price points in some of the more active places? So if we started in Barrie, mm. what are you seeing in Barrie? Price points on, on certain properties and rents? Just generalize for us a little bit. Yeah, Barrie would be uh, on a purchase price on a single family home, uh, somewhere between five and 600,000 right now. Five and 600,000, that yeah. single family would be operated as a single family or could you turn that thing into a duplex? No, some of you, some you could have, yeah, for sure. Some, we just actually got one a couple of weeks ago where, where that we plan on doing that exactly, um, converting it into a second suite. I think we bought that for roughly 550. So 550, and then if you were to rent that as a straight rent, what would you get? And then if you were to duplex it, what yeah. would you get? Or a second suite, yeah. what would so you get? So on a single family, that property would have rented out for about 2,300 a month. But 2,300 now? Yeah. Yeah, Holy yeah. shit. Okay. Yeah. And then if we were to second suite, it's going to come in at around uh, 1900 up and 15, 1600 down. So 1900, 2900. So 3500 35, 35 versus 23. 23. So if you duplex it, you're, you're, you're just increasing your, what is that, like a 50% gain in your income on mm-hmm. that thing? Yeah, you get your money back pretty quick on the, on the yeah. expense. Yeah. Okay. So that's Barry. Mm-hmm. So what about price points for a similar type of situation? And let me pick London, Ontario. 
Yeah, London Maybe actually, separate student rental. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, you're yeah, doing yeah. more student rentals out in London. No, no, but no, no. Okay. London, so actually the price point is going to come in around, uh, yeah, low fives. Um, Single family, three bedroom. Exactly, yeah, up to 600 as well. Rents are actually going to be very similar. Yeah, I would say Barrie, London, and St. Catharines are very similar in purchase price. However, St. Catharines, you're going to get more in rent. So you're going to get a bit, of, big of, a bit of a bigger bang for your buck in St. Catharines. Hmm. I would have figured yeah. Barry would have been slightly stronger on rent. No, no. Why do you think that? Just more people plowing Just into St. Catharines. There's a huge run on St. Catharines right now. There is, man. Yeah. And everyone thinks this is recent. We've been. How long do we think we've been out in St. Catharines? Maybe six years? I don't know now. Six years? Five You're years? You're having a big population yeah. base go up that way. Like when you had Toronto, you had people from Toronto going up to Barry, growing that area. Huge, like very large population base. The thing about now out further west is you're having people from Toronto go out further west to that area, and then you're having other kind of larger population bases already. So something like Hamilton, that I guess when this started was population of Hamilton. I guess what five hundred, five six hundred thousand, yeah, yeah. right? So then you had this other area that now was getting more expensive. So then they started going up there as well, and that's a pretty fair sized city in the grand scheme of things, even across all of Canada. So you had that, just a larger population base, I think, pushing out that way versus you didn't have a city of 500,000 people that was in between Toronto and, and Barrie, like, you know, There's half, no hour, next half hour outside of Toronto and out you there know going what? up there as and well. I, and right? I hate to do this, but we totally called this because mm-hmm. when St. Catharines was early on and we were buying properties out there for like 275, 325, remember, Nick, we were saying the distance, I remember saying this, the distance from downtown Toronto to Barrie, and the distance from Toronto to St. Catharines is exactly the same. And the price differences back then were St. Catharines was cheaper on the purchase price and lower in rent. Mm-hmm. And now it's about the same on the purchase prices and slightly higher on rent than Barry. And they still don't have go train access, regular, yeah. Yeah. efficient go train access, well, like, you know, throughout the day and stuff like that. And we'll see. And, and things have changed because of the, the pandemic and stuff like that. They kind of, that slowed down. But it'll be interesting to see what dynamic that plays when this kind of starts to play out and later next year, or, uh, you know, when next year hits finally. So somebody who wants to get a property in one of the London, Barrie, St. Catharines, you're looking 550, 550 to 600, to 600 yeah. straight rent, 2300, 2350, something like that. And then duplex, it'll be uh, 3,500 bucks yeah. roughly. Yeah. Okay. I think the two with the thing with St. Catharines is, so if we go to Barrie, if you have a choice if your budget is like five to 600,000 and, and you're either a, a first time home buyer or you're, you're, you're downsizing or, or you're renting, your choice is to go to Barry and probably be in a cookie a cookie cutter subdivision because that's a lot of how the south has been built up. Or if you go to the north, there's a little, you know, there's older homes there. In St. Catharines, there's not a lot of those cookie cutter subdivisions. So you're getting more property. You absolutely are, yeah. Often in, you're in a, a nice bungalow where you could have that extra in-law um, income if, if needed, if, if, if you're a first-time home buyer. Um, and then for, for investors, those properties work out so well because those bungalows built in the 60s and 70s, we could divide up so well as second suites. So I think that's the big big draw in St. Catharines. Also, obviously, Niagara-on-the-Lake, the vineyards, you're close to the border. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other... Uh, Especially now, this year we saw a little bit of a more of a run out there because people were comfortable going a little bit further away from the city, mm-hmm. right, as as, yes. as work arrangements change and stuff like that. So yep. it could have pulled... We don't know because there still looks like a lot of population coming this way. It could have pulled a little bit of demand forward there this year specifically, but it's, it's been an ongoing trend mm-hmm. for sure. I have a, a lady uh, who I just helped buy a home. So she's a manager at one of the grocery stores in St. Catharines. And she said, Mike, uh, three years ago, it was uh, older people pushing um, uh, uh, stro- walkers. walkers or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's women pushing strollers. No like way. The demographic's changing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's so really interesting. interesting. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we skipped over Hamilton. What, what price is, uh, purchase price for single family home and then rents? In Hamilton, yeah. So, the when we're, we're we're talking about what things are selling that was for a lot of size, dude. Yeah, you start I know because it's you not like Hamilton. It's because you're you're, not, at, you're asking the typical questions. Hey, yeah, give me the yeah, give me the one yeah, answer. Yeah. I don't have so much time. I got to get through this. Yeah, it, it's it, what things are selling for and what they're listed for are two different things right now. Everybody seems to be using a, a marketing price. So a house that would sell for five fifty, they're using four ninety nine nine as list price. Six twenty five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so Hamilton is absolutely on fire out of the the nine five areas absolutely 100 more than any other uh, city so, right so now. so tell me about the hamilton mountain then yeah yeah hamilton mountain we're looking at about six to 650 easily for a, a decent single Shit. family so that means home. we're gonna hit seven soon yeah oh yeah for sure we hit that recently in yeah. st Catharines on a 598 yeah, that's right. list that's yeah right. there were 13 offers that sold for 717 seven 
717,700. The middle class is being destroyed in front of our eyes faster than I thought. I just hope that's because that's an unhealthy market. So because because then what we'll see is we'll see those prices kind of level level down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then we'll be like, hey, look, all the real estate prices are coming down. You're like, yes, they're coming down because they jumped by 40 percent over the last 18 months. Yeah, Yeah, the best analogy, I think, on that for, you know, is like prices in real estate go up and down like a Mm yo-yo. But it's like you're doing a yo-yo walking upstairs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's yeah, up and yeah, down, yeah, but yeah. the long-term yeah, trend is walking yeah. up yeah. the stairs. Where did you get that from? I don't know. I think I read it in a trading book, like a stock option <laughs> trading book. I think you book. read it in that book right there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> did I? <laughs> yes. But maybe no, it's this, been written no, before. This, this one, I think I did. I no, just plagiarized not, not, maybe. Yeah, no, I not, not, no, no, I think Tom's plagiarizing you. Yeah, taking full credit. I think that one I did read a long time ago, to be fair. And it's funny. Now that you say that, I remember reading it in your book and wondering where you got that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, But I can't reference it. I can't remember. Yeah, but on the the rental front, like uh, so, we we have uh, some investors that had bought um, some condos, not with us. They've they've joined later, and they had some condos in their portfolio. On the condo front, I cannot get showings at some of these condos in Toronto, mm-hmm. but out on the outskirts, we're getting multiple offers. Whether it's to purchase or if it's from tenants, it's a completely different. And, uh, and just to be clear yeah. for people listening, when you say you can't get showings, it's not that you can't get an a. a an appointment to view the property. You can't get people to come view the properties that are, that are listed. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And then these are in prime locations. We have one in the TIFF building right now that used to be uh, leased, fully furnished for 3000 a month. It is now down because that tenant left to 2100 a month. You cannot wow. get a showing. Yeah. We have one at Young and St. Clair. Um, it's like a 30% reduction in rent. Yeah. We've <laughs> dropped from 3550 to 33. Now we're down to 31. And these were things pre-COVID where they would have leased no problem. This will come back eventually, but it just there's a tale of two two sides right now where in downtown Toronto, it's a little tough. And what we have now is unit unit hoppers. So we're, on one of the buildings, we have somebody that's already living in the building, but in a smaller unit. And they're trying to jump into our unit because from the smaller unit to the bigger unit, they can get it for the same price. We had someone here that worked that works with us here that did that recently as oh, well. Yeah. yeah. Now their landlord wanted to sell their the, the unit, so they yeah. they they wanted vacant possession, or they, they made an arrangement they they could they would leave. Right. And uh, they're like, yeah, it ended up working out great for me. I got a bigger place, same price. They're like, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. But to be fair, Toronto will swing back, and yeah. if for anyone, see, it's different parts of your own wealth building. To, because if you're in a position where you are sitting on some equity on a bunch of properties already, you might want to look at Toronto right now and buy that TIFF building property because you're getting it at a good price. And you know it's an overreaction that people are going to be coming back into the Toronto mm-hmm. core. right? And who knows, maybe it won't be to the point where that goes right back to where it was for a long time. But over time, if that's something you want in your portfolio, now's the time at least to consider Toronto. Right, whereas the media doesn't like it, rents are dead, the negative headlines are everywhere. Um, or to look beyond the short-term monthly headline about where things are at, right? So to get an understanding of like, look, okay, yes, things are have softened because inventory um, is up versus supplies up versus demand. I think it's hovering around a four-month inventory mark, which is high. It, it hasn't been this high in quite some time. And I, I have all the charts and I forget that when it's been that high, but, and that's when prices can start softening a bit. So, and there's a number of units coming on next year. So maybe you wait and be like, oh, this is an opportunity. Let me see what happens in Toronto the first quarter of next year and see if these things start being absorbed and then make your decision to your point. And then you're like, look, they're, they're actually being absorbed. So I see that the demand is going to be there or they're not. There might be a little bit of an opportunity coming up in the next three, six months and then make your decision based on that. hundred percent. It makes sense. You just kind of look a little, it's when you get caught up in this like week to week, month to month headline about the prices are up this October or this November versus last November, but versus October. It's a trading this. mentality. Yeah. It's like, who the hell cares? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like figure out what, something might work into your portfolio and then figure a time that might work for you to kind of get into the market, right? What about, so Woods, uh, no, not Woodstock, uh, Brantford. What about Brantford, Ontario? Price points, rent? Uh, yeah, Brantford were uh, low fives to mid fives for a, a nice home. Um, Rent-wise, um, 2,400 for a single family. And if we're splitting it up, uh, 19 up, 15 down. But then there's some anomalies out there. Yeah, we yeah. have one where it's, uh, I have it here, it's a uh, 22... 50 on one side and 2150 on the other. So it's a single family that yeah. was split. It was a four side level side. four level side split Correct. that was split. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. uh so that one's generating sorry 2022. Was that 4300, 4400 or 2150 yeah. and 2250? Something like that. Uh, sorry guys, I'm looking for yeah. Anyways, it was like 40 Sorry, 2200 and 21 so it's 4350. And what was the purchase price on that one? 415. 
but then they put money into properly duplex. Yeah, thing. significant okay. money. So four yeah, fifteen really plus renovations. Correct. But now they're generating four. Yeah, at forty three fifty. So at four fifteen without the renovation costs, which I know this isn't fair. You're at the one percent rule on this freaking mm-hmm. property. That's crazy that we're talking this way again. Okay, what about um, any other city? I want to ask you about some student rental prices. Any other mm-hmm. city? Because there's more. But let's leave that for yeah, now. Okay. What about out in uh, London for student rentals? Price points on homes roughly and types of rent you can expect. Yeah, so we, we tend to go after the most sought after student rentals right now, um, which is typically uh, every room having its own ensuite. So they're about uh, 630 to 650. If you're going- Utilities included? Utilities in, yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, actually, I was just talking with one of the property management companies yesterday. So they're already filling units for next year. They are doing uh, virtual showings first. So they've already gone through the, the stock that they know they're going to have to refill. They've taken videos. They send that to the students. They already have the uh, plexiglass shields up in the, the vans to, to shuttle the kids around to the different uh, properties. But they're already filling. This week is going to be a little slower in London just because it's reading week, naturally. But they're getting prepared for when Aiden's the here right next to you. Yeah, some work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told him to reach out to you for next year's yeah, property. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're ready. Um, they're prepared. So, yeah. Um, if if it's a f- a five bedroom two bathroom you're in you're now much lower you're probably in the like mid to low five five hundred okay so the, sorry six thirty I was asking you that was yeah. the monthly rent was including so sorry that was the purchase price of yeah that home was about six hundred and thirty yeah and what's the monthly rent so it's roughly seven twenty five per room so I believe it comes up to thirty thirty five thirty six thirty six twenty five yeah utilities included utilities in yeah. okay. Got it. And then um, is there more and more triplex stuff being built out there? I feel like you've been doing triplexes a lot. Th- there's not. They've, okay. they've, they were pocket listings that we had with some builders that we work with there. but Because uh, those are beauties. Those yeah, are three-bedroom yeah, yeah. per-floor triplex that are purpose-built student rental triplexes. Correct, yeah. Yeah, those are winners. Okay, yeah. so most of the houses out there are five-bedroom, some six-bedroom. Uh, yeah, yeah. They had to have been grandfathered in the six bedrooms. There's, there's less of those out there. The majority are five. That's the legal limit there. Okay. And then yeah. if you don't know Western, Western has like 36,000 students. And then I didn't know this until recently, but with the staff at Western, Western has six, 65 or 66,000 people on campus mm-hmm. when you include staff. Wow. Did you know that? No. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I, I, that's, I, we were at the, at the little kind of like intro thing yeah, to Western. Yeah, and they're like reaming out these numbers. I'm like, mm-hmm. holy crap, because there's a hot, full hospital on site there. I guess like all the profs and everybody. Right. It's a whole whole big deal. But uh, okay, that's, what about, um, what? where else are you doing student rentals right now? Not so much in Brantford right now. Are you doing any by Brock? Nadim not, is, not you're many. not yeah, doing not, so not too many, no, no. And then what? where yeah. else then? So London's your main one yeah, for student rentals. Yeah, you're not doing many is, around Mac. Yeah. Not even Mac. No, we. It, it's sort of where is the de- investor demand? We did one recently for an investor for his daughter in Guelph. So we've done a couple in Guelph. Um, Some price points in Guelph for that? Uh, that one I want to say was low sixes. Got yeah, it. Yeah, for a town. Guelph is Guelph is up there in pricing for sure. Guelph is a very desirable place for And the investor's families. favorite strategy right now, because you, your experience is like you've done rent to owns and yeah. the duplexes, you flipped properties, single family rental, like you name it, you've done it. What's the, is there a, because the flavors second always suites. change. Yeah, yeah still second yeah, suites because the income level. Yeah, if they're looking for cash flow, which a lot of investors' goals are, you know, I want X amount, a common number is $10,000 a month in positive cash flow. How do I get there? And one of the quickest ways to get there right now is definitely a second suite. Because a second suite at 20% down, I'm going to just ask you for ballpark numbers. How much cash flow is a property like that going to make? Yeah, it, uh, anywhere from 600 to 900 after all expenses per month. So six to 900 on a property after all expenses. Mm-hmm. It's freaking insane. Yeah, yeah. The, the weird part is that when I've talked to people who are in the investment industry, if they could buy these things mm-hmm. because they're looking for income, these are people who are investing in bonds and that kind of stuff, just looking for any sort of yield at all, any sort of return on their investment at all. Yeah. When I talk about some of the investors that are getting this kind of cash flow, they're freaking out, mm-hmm. but they can't buy it. The re- the beautiful part about this, like the beautiful part to me right now about the thing about real estate and Bitcoin is that with Bitcoin, it's the retail investor who is understanding the value of Bitcoin before Wall Street is. Mm-hmm. Never in my life, and I know I haven't been around here that long, have I seen a situation where Wall Street isn't taking advantage of the real, real estate investor, the retail investor. 
usually it that you know that's what's happening but in this case with bitcoin to me it's individuals understanding what bitcoin is before wall street is which i love and then you have this real estate market right now where the reits can't get involved in these single family homes because they're a reits not going to buy all these little duplexes they don't have the property management the infrastructure it's funny that in the states though there's some big companies that did, did kind that's of true. start swinging and and buying up a bunch of single family stuff and there's yeah, some still like doing tens it of thousands yeah and there's yeah. some still doing it today i think it was like blackrock and some of these big guys blackrock mm -hmm. and there's one one other major one that yeah. was the one and there was one other big one I forget who, and I don't know where those things sit today, but I mean, I think they own, and I know currently, the, you know, because there's certain things with the real estate model where, where they'll be able, like the, 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 the purchase and sale model, where there's companies that are just deploying AI and saying, okay, here's the price of that home and we'll buy it off you. And, mm -hmm. you know, so there's, there's a lot more stuff going on, but you're right in Canada, that type of stuff is just not Doesn't really happen. And and I maybe we're just some, too small a market. Maybe because because right. in the states, how much opportunity they have? Like think of all those different. You could go to Chicago or New York or, or uh, Los Angeles and Miami and uh, Houston, Houston. And you can yeah. go to all these different places, right? Whereas in Canada, for that type of model, it's kind of like you come to the GTA. There's Montreal. Right, yeah, and then you kind of got Vancouver. Yeah, well, Vancouver doesn't have a big server. You can go well, well out of Vancouver, but Vancouver yeah. proper is kind of tight. For I'm just saying, yeah, but for that model, like for them to kind of yeah. go on mass, it just becomes a little bit different. So, but there's still the opportunity, I'm sure. Which to me is amazing because we live in a world right now where the institutional investors have their hands tied because they can't get really at these properties, and we can. Mm -hmm. Like I really feel like the opportunity right now is, and interest rates are one, you know, on a rental property, like what, 2.15. I think that's about the lowest I've seen, 2.1. Actually, Dan might have sent one recently that was like 1.95. 1. 1. Yeah, So 1.95 on the mortgage and the rates are likely going lower and you get these cash, you, you get to control these assets, the cash flow. Yeah. It's insane. One of the keys with the second suites right now is if you can, we try to negotiate these out where we're purchasing, but we're closing in two or three months. And with that, that's buying us time where we're sending the architect in right away to do the permit drawings, which we then take to the city. Now we can't get the approved permit until the owner takes deed, but at least the permit is there. So on the day of closing now, the architect is going into the city, getting the permit stamp, construction, uh, sorry, construction can start the next day. And it's, we're doing that now because of COVID. Uh, permit process used to be three, four weeks. Do your drawing, submit, city approves you in three or four weeks. Now it's like eight to nine weeks. So you, instead of waiting till close and then sending everybody in to do drawings and, and quotes and whatnot, if you can get that done um, while you're waiting for the property to close, you're going to save yourself about two to three months on play, uh, carrying costs. That's a good tip and a good strategy for sure. And I was just thinking about something. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Mm. I have my own my answer or my belief. And I'm just thinking, what do you guys say to, because I'm hearing the mm -hmm. story and this investor is buying it and then creating two units in there. There's going to be some people that, think they're like well yeah if it wasn't for this these greedy investors mm -hmm. then the affordability for the ho the houses the prices would be lower and the affordability would be there instead of them having to chop it up and create these two units so it's the investor demand that's actually skewing these real estate prices and causing this unaffordable market because i i'm sure you guys have heard that before totally right so like i mean i know i i have kind of what i think that the reality is around that and i'm just i'm just curious because i'm just wondering if someone's listening is probably there's probably someone thinking that yeah, but I think the investor side is such a small dent in the market. Like, it really is. Yeah, it would be. At one point, we knew that it was like 2% or 4% of all mortgages in Canada were investor mortgages. I think but that was like 10 right, years ago. So yeah. it's got to be way higher. Well, way higher. If it doubled, it's four. But yeah, that'd be an interesting thing to get more data on. Mm -hmm. um, and then yeah, the, way, I, the way I think about it is the monetary policy forces you to do that. Either you're going to own assets or you're going to fall behind. So the system that we're in, if you understand the rules of the game, you understand that you have to own assets. So the rules of the game, the foundational rules of the system that we are in, the economic rules that we play in, force you to realize that you need to own assets to stay ahead of the inflation theft that is going on, which then pushes you into asset ownership. Some people are going to go into stocks. Other people are going to go and start their own business. And some people are going to go into real estate. If our savings went up in value more than real estate went up in value, and if we had hard money as the basis of the economic system, you would not need to go into real estate. And real estate, in fact, should not and would not appreciate. You could generate income from it, but your savings would go up in value and everything else would come down in value. And the fact that I say that and someone listening to this is going to be like, that is not possible. It's just not possible because our money is going down in value, which then in return puts assets up in value. If we just had a money system where the money was the thing of value, money would go up in value. We could work, our time and labor would be honored. 
We would be able to stay at home as we age because we would have savings that go up in value instead of working for the rest of your life. You'd have more spare time, more free time. You'd have a better society. But because of the way the system is set up, you're forced to go into these assets. And unfortunately, people are gonna point to people who own assets as the problem, and it's only because of a lack of education, not understanding the basis of the economy is forcing these actions. So I agree with everything you said. I'll just take a, a little bit more of a local approach to it as well, is that what's happened is the, the, the priorities of either government, society, however you wanna look at it, at it, but people you know, with the government budgets and, and the way they've, they've kind of put the laws, the incentives around for affordable housing, those have disappeared. And that's why we've had like no rental apartments being created for decades. Mm -hmm. For decades, there's been no rental apartments being created. Like, the, like think of the last time where, you, and now, there's, now there is a few, but, but prior to the last couple of years, think of the last time that you drove by someplace and you said, oh, look, there's a new apartment building going up, like mm -hmm. for rental, not a condo, an apartment building. Yeah. It hasn't happened. Right. So like society for a long time said, hey, OK, well, you know what? Here's the money we're going to spend. We're going to spend what everyone wants, whatever, whatever is a priority to them. Maybe it's it's a health care need. Maybe it's a daycare need, whatever it is. Right. Everyone wants what's priority to them. But it wasn't it wasn't more affordable housing. So the governments are like, crap, we're in a really crappy situation now. We need affordable housing. We don't have it. So now we have to get other people to create it. So they're the ones that are incentive, not even incentivizing, but they're allowing investors and they mandated these communities to put these processes in place so people could create these multiple unit dwellings to allow for affordable housing because for decades, society, and, and I'm, I'm looking at that as like us, voters, government, everyone, because they didn't make a big, big enough stink about it, was not investing in that infrastructure for, for, for those, for the people that need that type of housing. And that's where this gap is and the private investors coming in and filling it. So instead of those people saying, hey, look, you know what? You, they, the private investor is the one destroying the market. The private investor, maybe for those people looking to get into that particular segment of the market, but that person's, it, you know, they're taking just a very... Um, a little bit of a selfish view just for them because they want to get into that segment of the market. What about the people that need, that are on a waiting list for some sort of affordable housing and they can't rent anything? They're helping out that segment of the market. So there's there's multiple different ways to look at it, right? Remember the Hamilton Mountain when we'd go up on that mountain um, and those 100, 200 uh, apartment uh you know, I, don't know if it was a, I don't know if it was a mountain, but yeah, I know the area you're talking about. <laughs> Every time Cliff. we say the Hamilton the, Mountain, I yeah. laugh. Those, those, those apartment buildings, do you remember what would be outside on the, on the lawn? A four lease? The sign? A four lease no, a waiting list. Right? Oh, oh, Five, six, it. seven years ago, waiting list. You know what's yeah, there today? that's right. Yeah. Waiting list still. Huh. There's still waiting lists to get into those apartments. So when, yeah, as investors, when we provide those second suites that, you know, up, uh, um, or to code and, and, and safe and just update it nice, Good nice places. Yeah, for sure. When, you have when the it choice. rains outside and it doesn't come <laughs> yeah, inside. Exactly, yeah, no mice. When you have the choice between a 100, 200 unit apartment building or this nice new second suite, like often they're bigger than the apartment, apartment. buildings. Yeah. yeah. And you're paying, and often they're paying, paying more for it as yeah. well versus yeah. that, right? If it's new and depending yeah. on the access, the amenities they have, whatever. Sure. But it is catering to a segment of the market that needs housing. For sure. Right? Get so there's, 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 it's just a big picture. There's, there's, it's a domino effect. You know, things, to your point about the money system, and, and I, I'm just looking at it three steps later, right? Because your point is, is exactly kind of how the, how the, I'll say the province here, but the, 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 the country, the province, that's how it's being run because of this skewed money system. And then it trickles down and this is the end, end result. This is the impact that we're seeing. And then, and then again, to your point, then people start seeing, they start just looking in their own little silo and it's like, Hey, look, if you're going to look at this and complain about, you know, one segment, you got to look at the big picture too. It's only fair. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so Mike, you've now worked with thousands of investors. When you work with some people, you've worked with some people that have uh, had real estate for 10 years. When you reflect back, what are you most shocked on that they say to you? Do you have anything that you're like, huh, I'm shocked or what surprises you or what makes you f feel more, most proud? Like when you reflect back, just anything on the last 10 years. It's just seeing what, um, the investing has afforded them in, in, in regards to their lifestyle, like Dan and Laura being able to travel through New Zealand and Australia for three months mm -hmm. with two toddlers. Um, yeah. I, I know, and I'm sure they would agree that they, they wouldn't have been able to do that any other way. Um, it's the investors who have not now bought a, a first or a second vacation home. We have several of those right yeah, now. Yeah. Like it's, it's great to see what they're affording themselves and that what they're going to pass down to their children as well. We have some that have sold everything except for the rental properties and are now traveling the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 To do that based on, on an income and let's face it, like incomes are so like, especially if it's one income in the family right now, that's so fragile. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't do this off of working harder. 
Yeah. It's unfortunate. Man. Hey, Mike, like, I don't know if everybody knows this, but Nick and I started this thing. We were sitting in a, in a brokerage that was due to, was about to go bankrupt within a year. We didn't know it was going to, it wasn't anything to do with us, by the way. We were the only ones doing <laughs> I was transactions. I about to clarify that yeah, too. We were right? the only ones doing <laughs> yeah. business inside that brokerage. And you walked in one day and I'll never forget sitting in that training room and talking to you. And you said, yeah, you know, I'm a member. And I'm like, really? Or like you get our newsletter and stuff. You're like, yeah. And I'm like, I, you said to us, I got my real estate license and I want to join with you guys and work with you guys. And I said, hold on. And I went back to where our little closet office was. By then, we moved to one with the window, by the way. We had upgraded. You're right. Yeah, right. We moved to one Three with the window. Three people in the one yeah, office. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of people in there. But uh, And I'm like, Nick, there's this guy, Mike, outside. And he's a good guy. And he wants to work with us. I'm, I'm thinking I just say, yes, what do you think? And you were like, I don't know. Yeah, because yeah. I was busy. I was like, I don't know. But yeah, okay, sounds good. <laughs> sounds I was, I was, busy. I was just a, trying to get something done. We had, like, oh, yeah, yeah, we had yeah. a little whiteboard with investors' names on them who needed attention. And we didn't have enough time to go there. And then I walked back and I'm like, yeah, Mike, you can work with us and you got to do these deals. And remember, we got on some phone calls together yeah. and did this stuff. So, man, that really changed our lives. So just know that. You're, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. so you, you always say that, that, you know, joining with us changed your life. But you joining uh, with us changed our lives. And then the impact that you've had across thousands of people now and then the possible generational impact. And I know it sounds like I'm blowing smoke, man, mm -hmm. but I believe it 100 mm -hmm. percent. Um, you are having a huge impact on people. So thank you, man, for thank everything you, that God. you're doing, for the person that you are and the yeah. work that you put into this, man. You take this shit seriously, and um, we feel very grateful. Nick and I always talk about that. Yeah, yeah. we're lucky you didn't get hit by one of those bullets during the drive-by. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So if you want uh, Mike's book, it's Wealth Won't Wait, How to Create Income, Certainty, in Uncertain Times. You can pick it up on Amazon, probably the easiest place. That's it. If you yeah. see Mike in person, he probably has a box of them in the back of it. You probably don't, actually, <laughs> in your trunk. But Mike might be driving around with some. If you're here in our office, we have copies in our office, but if you need one right now, it's full. I mean, the amount of real estate information that you've jammed in this is just incredible. It's an awesome book, man. Congrats on it. You should Thank feel you. proud. And thanks, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate thanks, guys. It, appreciate it. Hey, everyone. So hopefully you enjoyed that. And if you want to pick up a copy of the book, it's available at Amazon. It's uh, Wealth Won't Wait by Mike DeZormo. And if you are listening to this and you want to get some training around real estate investing, and you're looking to get started or enhance your portfolio further, you can go to www.rockstarinnercircle.com and find the big red button that says investor training on it. You can hit that button and sign up for the investor training class. It's a free 90 minute class that Nick and I give and we stick around and answer all questions at the end of that class. That's it for this episode, everyone. Until next time, your life, your terms.